Los saludos se enfrentan una vez más a los fanáticos para que los fanáticos de la lucha libre discutan los partidos que Dave Meltzer del Wrestling Observer califazó con cinco estrellas o más. Es dime decrite algo. Soy tú con Afitrión Loken Mullen. Y conmigo es mi co-anfrión. Me llamo Simon Cross. And Simon Cross, we are in Los Angeles, but they are taking advantage of the high Latino population to host a Lucha Libre pay-per-view, the first one of its kind, co-produced by WCW, but it was a AAA production. This is the second AAA match we are covering, and it is between the son of the number one wrestling name of all Mexican history, El Hijo del Santo, as he teams up with his martial arts enthusiast partner, Octagon, to face off against those dirty foreign heels, Los Gringos Locos. The Weird that they're having this match in America. Yes, that's, that's kind of the funny part of it. And it's a front-crawling love machine art bar and a back-stroking... Eddie Guerrero, and it is a particular type of match as well. Let me try and get the name up. It's a hair versus mask match, but in America, in Mexico, they are known as luchas de apuestas, luchas de apuestas, and it's a battle of pride. And these are of higher, far higher stakes than any championship match in Mexico could be. Because your identity's on the line. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Like, it's your coat of family arms. Like, the notion of El Hijo del Santo losing his mask is insane. He was born in a mask. Hmm, essentially. That's just how it was. Um, so this is our second encounter with uh, Lucha Libre wrestling of much higher pitch quality, fortunately. Like I said, this was a WCW co-production. And you can see some of those WCW production values in the lighting and the stage setup and everything. And this was when Mexican wrestling was like, they were selling out 15,000 seat arenas in Los Angeles that like WWF and WCW weren't doing. This was as hot as Mexican wrestling had got and, uh, in, in the US. Um, right up until recently where I think AAA have announced they're going to do Madison Square Garden now. Um, Jesus. Yeah, with a very, obviously Madison Square Garden is a melting pot, but maybe not as defined by the Latino uh, Hispanic crowd as a California, or maybe if they was doing an Arizona or a Texas or somewhere else along the border, before that huge, huge wall finally gets built. <laughs> but of course, this is this. What's interesting about this match is that the commentary provided by Mike Tenay and uh, another gentleman is as much explaining to us the cultural references that are going on in this match as they are the actual wrestling itself. Because, my God, those gringos are heat machines with their US flags on their tights. But more importantly, their motioning of swimming to the crowd is basically as offensive as you can be to a, a Mexican-American, I suppose. Uh, but... Suggesting that they're like 
dirty immigrants that got here by swimming across. So I don't know yeah. if that means that Trump's going to have Trump might watch this and start building a wall in the sea. I don't know. Well, he knows wind, so he must know water. <laughs> Tremendously wet water that they're swimming through. We have the wettest water. Mm. Um, that was terrible, by so the way. This is this is he's a terrible man. Um, so this is a ve- again a sense of like I said with Lucha Libre. This is where you feel like you're out of your depth. At least for me. As, like I said, it, it's kind of like the wrestling equivalent of watching a Bollywood movie. The cultural references are different. The structuring is different. The the presentation of the wrestlers are different. Yeah, you know the 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 perspective is different because they work from their right as opposed to from their left. You won't even necessarily recognize that. And also the rules. Yet again, like last time, it was confusing as hell because this was a two out of three falls match, but this was mostly falls. This yeah. match. Because it turns um, out that the rules of a two out of three falls tag match is that both team members have to be pinned or submitted or whatever for, a for fall it to count to as a fall. So there yeah. is essentially two out of three falls within each of the two out of three falls. So it's four out of six falls. Yeah, essentially. Uh, yeah. Brick maths. Well, not not really because you can like you because because like I'm pretty sure that Eddie Guerrero and Love Machine get four falls in this match. Yes, actually, that's a fair point. Because uh, they win the first fall two to nothing, don't they? Yeah. And then the second fall, because they win three falls in a row in very quick succession. So it's like two, it's like three nil, then it's, so then after that it's, no, it's two nil, then it's three nil, then it's three two. And then I think the second, the third fall is two one. So it's so four all. It's away goals. It's four all. So it's, it's away goals because the Mexicans are in America. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like a tennis match is in that regard, isn't it? How, you know, it, technically you could win a tennis match. Love six, love six, seven, six, seven, six, seven, five, you know, yeah. or seven, six. And the other guys won. And that person could have won all of their games to love. And you're winning each of them off of juice advantage, you know? It's... So, you know, or, or to put it in another way, uh, to put it another Trump way, it's the electoral college over the popular vote. Hey. <laughs> but yeah, how how deeply political this is, and as a result, why Love Machine is very often seen as one of the great heels of rest. I remember Power Slam did their top ten heels of all time, and this was when I was starting to sort of learn about wrestling. His yeah, and 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 Art Bar was put in there with the likes of Hollywood Hogan, Ric Flair, Rick Rude, um, Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, all all the great heels of wrestling history. Now, obviously, listeners will know my love of uh, Masanobu Fuchi. Yes. And his in-ring shithousery. Uh, Art Bar is possibly the characteristic equivalent. Yes. Yes, he's just all about working the crowd. He's so cocky and so arrogant. And then when he has to take a hit in this match, he's flying all over the place. Obviously, Eddie has far more technical grace and skill yeah. than Art. Like you, because Art Bar was the one that did the frog splash, and when he died, uh, Eddie Guerrero took up the frog splash as a tribute to him as his finishing move. Because he was doing the um, superplex, yeah. uh, Eddie, at this point, because I think that was one of his dad's moves? Possibly. Well, his Possibly. dad famously invented the camel clutch and the gory special. 
which I think he does. Both of which are busted out. And like, and the commentary, I don't think the, the commentators don't actually get that emotionally invested in the match as much as they do. Like I said, they provide very good cultural and historical context. They tell us about Gory Guerrero and else. It Stanton. sort of sounds like it's dubbed. Like it's. It does after. seem like it's after the fact. I don't think it is, but it feels after the fact. Yeah, and I can't say I cared for it too much in terms of like. In- it, they didn't seem to match the, the... Even though they were yelling, it didn't seem like they were as involved like a Jim Ross commentator or even Vince McMahon or, or someone yeah. like that, you know? Um, um, it's, it's it's an interesting match, but it was a confusing match. Yeah. Because... Not knowing the rule. Well, I, I, I should have known the rule about this because I have a little bit of prior knowledge of this match because um, Eddie mentions it in his autobiography. Um, yeah, what sort of stuff does he talk about in it or write about in it? Uh, well, it's the reason he hated the Nasty Boys um, was part of because of this match. Partly because they um, got him drunk one night and slapped him about a bit. Um, the Nasty Boys? Never. Yeah, but just before this hair versus um, mask match, um, they were in Japan and um, the Nasty Boys and Art got drunk and the nasty boy shaved arts um parts of arts head knowing he had this big match coming up Mm. so i think arts actually wearing hair extensions in this match as a result the hair does very easily come off when they cut it later on Uh, that's one interesting thing as well like the, the the payoff of it when they're cutting each other's hair it's like they're so reluctant, but they know that they're on a bound to do it. It's not like they try and do the sneaky heel thing that you'll see in like most American hair versus hair matches where they'll try and run away and then they'll be mm. caught in a sleep hold, knocked out, and then they're shaved against their will. In this one, they're having to do it. and It's not like El, El Hijo's de- uh, insisting on taking the, nu- the, the knife, taking the scissors and cutting <laughs> them himself. They're having to do it to themselves. It's like yeah. self-inflicted. Um I remember like when Eddie beats Chavo Guerrero uh, in a hair versus hair match in WCW. Chavo takes the razor blades and does it to himself quite gleefully. Mm. Um, that was like, like mental Chavo, though. Yeah, like, pay the horse. I was expecting... Because like, the first two falls happened so quickly. There are five falls so quickly in this match. And then I was expecting the third fall to kind of be like that Dynamite Kanzai uh, match that I gave five stars to. The, yeah. the third fall would be the lengthier one, but it really didn't feel like it. It was the longest one, but it didn't feel long. This whole no. match feels like bell to bell. It was no more than 15, 16 minutes. And like I said, there were eight falls within those. It's, it's, it is so baffling. It's like, conceptually, it's it's so not what we're used to. Yeah. The in-ring action's like pretty good. Like, the crowd is going nuts the whole time. Like, there's no one that, there's no octagon. Maybe a slight weak link, bless him, but he's the, well. To be fair, the commentators point out he's the only non-like second to third, second, well, second generation wrestler in the ring. So it's just one of those Art things, Bar's I guess. Second generation. Oh, Art Bar is second Jesse generation. Bar. Yeah. Art Bar was, to be honest, a bit of a scumbag in real life. Um, so he has some very bad things to his criminal record that made him uh, ineligible for work in certain places. Uh, mm. So let's not cover what he was. Um, no. Cover up what he was. But he's, but he's a heat machine in this match. A love machine and a heat machine. Um, and it is, it's so... What's fascinating is seeing the American as the foreign menace 
we did a whole yeah. episode discussing the Foreign Menace, and I placed Los Gringos Locos in as one of my Mount Rushmore heels. And seeing it, the the arrogance of Americans, and you know, you, you grow up on WWE, and because arrogance even, is what even in Japan, the guys Jin are not perceived as heels per se. I know Doug Furness and Dan Crawford got booed in their match with Kabashi and Kikuchi, but Stan Hansen. I think that's more the fact they were going against Kabashi. Yeah. Stan Hansen is beloved by the fans. They love him, and, and Steve Williams is very respectful to Ken Kabashi at the end of their match. The Funk Brothers are adored in, in Japan, probably more so than they are in America, as weird as that sounds, mm. um, outside of Texas. This one, Whereas... it, it, it is clearly the, the, the arrogant, dirty Americans, and the idea of, like, Eddie Guerrero is essentially a race traitor, in a weird way, you know? Yeah, no. Because they said he was um, born in Mexico but grew up in Texas. And... Yeah, now it says he's from El Paso and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. He, um, It's his arrogance that sort of is the uh, tipping point because they are, like, effectively free nothing up. Um, I can't remember which one of the two it is. It's Octagon, I'm fairly sure. Um, they do a double-team move and Octagon sort of semi-counters it, rolls up art. And um, rolls up Eddie, and Art thinks, um, oh, it's the other one, but we're winning. So he doesn't turn around, even though he can yeah. hear a free That's count. That's a classic tag spot. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and they do it really well, actually, with the quick success of, of a pinfall, and then he traps Art Bar in a submission hold. And Art, yeah, Art even gives up like a shit house, yeah. But not like a Fushi, I'm a hard shit house, like yeah. a Weasley shit house. Yeah, yeah, he's very, yeah. It's like you can't, you can dish it out, but he can't take it. But like I said, it's just so fast, and there's no time to build up anything on a psychological way. There's no, there's no real long hot tag seat. Like for for segment. a payoff match as well, because this is a feud capper. Mm. It's mental to see this kind of pace. There is like the stretcher job as well, and like even the stretcher job seems to happen too early and and too suddenly. Yeah, Karen, what is it that that triggers Octagon going on the stretcher? What is the uh, it's the pile driver because the pile driver is banned. Ah, uh, yes, yes, that's right. Again, so it's like within the psychology of that world, and they're saying, "Oh, we might be having trouble breathing and everything." And he never comes back. Usually, with those ones where they get tagged to the outside, they make their miraculous recovery and, and yeah. come back. But instead, it's well that allows um, Alhio De Santo to overcome the odds. He's noticeably, I was surprised at how small he was. Like he looks like he's about five foot six, five foot seven, you know. Yeah. And I know in Mexico that's not an issue really. That the 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 smaller wrestlers are traditionally where the the stars come from. I don't know how big El Santo was in comparison, but you know. But El Hijo del Santo. Uh, what I will say is they time again. They time their suicide dives to the outside really well, and 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 like there's like stereo suicide dives by Octagon and and uh, El Hijo, and then mm. Los Gringos Locos do it later on, which is weird. Again, you usually see the heel do it first, and then get their, you know, the the faces will get their revenge on them, but it's the other way yeah. around. But then El Hijo does do a dive to the outside later on in the match as well. That I think is like quite an important moment. I think it maybe isolates Art Bar or, or Eddie to be beaten. Uh, yes, yes, I think it's um, he's like he sort of cross bodies or planches yeah. him into the guardrail, yeah, and that yeah. keeps him down long yeah, enough yeah. for out him to take out the other dude, basically. Yeah. So there is psychology. It's just like I said. I think this match, our description is kind of free flowing and scattergun, but that's because that's what feels like the matches. Yes. Again, I think we just need to do more. But then again, we didn't have to do that much homework about Japan, and we just got it instantaneously. So is it just 
Not that it's an inferior way, but is it just a way that's never going to click with us as much? It's a way that's going to take a lot more, because let's... But will, will, will it ever, then? If we're not going to go... Because I'll be honest, I'm not going to give this one five stars. Mm. Are you no, neither am I. Um, and if this is as... And there's not that many Mexican matches left to go. Um... I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just an otherness. It's yeah. just a world we don't understand. We we but like. We didn't necessarily understand Japan, but like, I think I could show some Japanese wrestling matches to some of my friends who watch wrestling. Maybe it's because Japanese wrestling more directly influences a lot of wrestlers in North America than than Lucha Libre yeah. does. Because it is always interesting when the Lucha Libre wrestlers join the WWE. How some of them struggle. Like you know, Mystico could not do it as Sin Cara. Yeah. Um, even Andrade had uh, struggles at, at the start, whereas Ray and Eddie took to it like ducks to water. Uh, Psychosis, not so much. He did, but he never like took off as a big star. Like you look at how the WCW mid card was just filled to the brim in the mid to mm. late nineties with Lucha Libre talent. And when I think and about of um... Parker, none of them really gained any kind of following. Yeah. And when I think to like when it came to like the Mexicals, it's super crazy. Or I think got the biggest I think it helped connection he, to the crowd. It helped that he came up through ECW, and he also came up doing the Jap Lucha hybrid style with Tajiri, not him taking on just a load of other uh, Lucha Libre wrestlers. Yeah. So he was like the representation of a style that meshes well with other ones, and, and also just incredibly charismatic and talented. You know. Um, I miss those lawnmowers. Yeah. Oh, good God. Like They couldn't do that now. Well, Vince probably thinks they could, but... Well, Vince wouldn't risk it. I don't think Vince would understand, you know. But let's not talk about Vince. Let's talk about this. Um, I will try and watch more Lucha Libre. There's one that I really want to watch. I think I'm saying... And it's one that I don't know yet if Meltzer rated it five stars or not, which is an, uh, another massive match. I think it's Villano uh, Tres against um, Ultimo Guerrero, I think it is. and it's, It was wrote, rated the best match of the year in by Wrestling Observer readers in 2000. And that was a year, I would say, artistically, it was the WWF's greatest year of all time on an artistic level. Well, that's like WrestleMania 16 time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, although that was a weak pay-per-view, but it was surrounded by incredibly good shows around. But it has one of... Yeah. But anyway, during all that time, all those great matches WWF were having and still... It was a Lucha Libre match that won it. And, like, you got all these talented guys from CMLL now, like Dragon Lee and Roosh and all those sort of guys. You know, it's something I keep meaning... It's like how you keep meaning to... Like I said, I keep meaning to watch some Bollywood films. I keep meaning to watch um, foreign language television, really. I've never watched any of those Scandi Noir shows or any of those sorts of things. Nordic Noir, sorry. Bit adverse to woolly jumpers, are we? No, it's just I haven't got around to it. It's, it's a commitment... And and I think to get Lucha Libre, you'd need to commit to it. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, uh, if people want to commit to sending us some correspondence, maybe give us some uh, recommended viewings of the Mexican wrestling type, how can they do that, Simon? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the strands of hair uh, across the top of Antonio Pina's head when he comes down. Uh, to try and look after Octagon following the pile driver. I mean, that, that's a little bit of a comb over going on there, let's not lie. <laughs> yes, uh, my name's Lorcan Mullen, that's L O R C A N M U L L A for the A in AAA, or A for Apuestas, and N Nacho Libre. 
If you want to get in touch with the show, it's lmtyspod at gmail.com. A perro hasta entonces. Me amo Locke Mullen. Uh, me amo Simon Cross. Gracias por dejarnos de quitte algo. Tengo un tiempo de cinco estrellas hasta la próxima vez. <laughs>